I want to get started with our uh, message this morning. I'll try to make it brief, um, but uh, we'll see. But I want to start with, uh, instead of giving you good advice, I want to give you the worst advice. All right, I want to take a little bit of a turn here. So the worst advice I can give a graduate, number one, would be to never change, okay? Just stay the same, never change, never grow. Um, you know, if you ever hear that from somebody, never change, probably not the best advice. You will change, and change is not necessarily a bad thing. So don't listen to that. Uh, a guy once tried to give, us, uh, give marriage advice by saying, trust me, at the end, trust me, I've been married three times. <laughs> you know? <laughs> Well, okay, I'll leave it at that. A grandma once said, don't use your blinker while you're driving because it's nobody's business where you're going. It's probably bad advice. A dad said, if you have a bad cough, take a laxative, then you'll be afraid to cough. Probably not the best advice. This last one you could probably use, though. Um, the dad said, if you ever take a nap during class, make it look like you're praying so your teacher can't get mad. <laughs> yeah, some of y'all did that in church. Don't lie. All right. <laughs> hey, um, if you would, if you have your Bibles, and I hope you do this morning, turn with me. I'm going to mainly be in three places, and that's Proverbs chapter 4, 1 Samuel chapter 13, and also 1 Samuel chapter 15. It'll be on the screen if you don't have it, but I would love for you to follow along with me in your word. And speaking of the word, you graduates and anybody that's listening to me today, I can't stress how important it is to get this word into your soul and deep down into your spirit and to hold this close, close beside you. It's it's a daily walk, right? It's a daily daily thing that, um, and that's how it's going to affect you is if you have the word in you each and every day. So I want to encourage you to discipline yourself. My mom wrote this quote in my very first Bible she gave me. Well, unless I got one when I was like real young, I can't remember. But the the first one I remember she she gave me was a a quote by D.L. Moody. It said this, this book will keep you from sin or sin will keep you from this book. And so it's important, it's, it's important, young people, older people, that we get, keep this book in our life if we want to be true to God. So let me start with Proverbs chapter 4. Proverbs chapter 4, uh, I'm going to be coming back and forth to these verses, uh, verses 23 to 27. So once I read it, keep that place, all right? But it says this, guard your heart above all else. For it determines the course of your life. Avoid all perverse talk. Stay away from corrupt speech. Look straight ahead and fix your eyes on what lies before you. Mark out a straight path for your feet. Stay on the safe path. Don't get sidetracked. Keep your feet from following evil. Let's pray over the word uh, this morning. Would you pray with me? Lord, thank you so much. Your word is truth. God, when so many things in this world try to, try to uh, we can't trust wisdom of this world. We can't trust a lot of things. But we know there's one thing we can trust. And that is the God-inspired, God-breathed words of this Bible. And so, God, I pray that you would, uh, this is what has the power to change us. And so, Lord, I pray that you would change us. Let us be changed by your words. We give you the praise for that in Jesus' name. Amen. So, Solomon wrote, you know, this proverb here. And he said, and he's referring to guarding the heart. And what does he mean? What do I mean when I say guard your heart? What am I talking about? In this, in this context, he's talking about the inner core of a person. Your thoughts, 
your feelings, your desires, your will. It is the choices that make a person who he or she is. Your heart is what shows God who you really are. This morning, I want to leave you with three pieces of advice uh, from the life of King Saul that we are also outlined here in Proverbs chapter 4. And the first one is to guard your heart. You've already heard it. You're going to hear it a lot. Guard your heart. Now, if you know anything about King Saul in the Old Testament, I'm not talking about Saul that became Paul in the New Testament. Easily confused. But there was a king in the Old Testament, the very first king of Israel, King Saul. Now, King Saul is usually portrayed as a bad guy. Well, that's justifiable because, number one, he was scared to fight Goliath. He made David do it. Uh, He was jealous of David. On multiple occasions, he tried to kill David. He was tormented by evil spirits, and even at the end of his life, he committed suicide during battle. These all would give you a pretty bad reputation. But sometimes I feel like Paul or Saul is unfairly betrayed because Saul was not always this way. If you look at 1 Samuel chapter 10, you don't have to turn there, but you can look at it on the screen. 1 Samuel 10, 24, Samuel said to the people, the prophet Samuel, he said, This man the Lord has chosen as your king. No one in all of Israel is like him. And all the people shouted, Long live the king. Do you see that? No one in Israel is like him. I mean, that in and of itself tells me that Saul was something special. He wasn't just like a king that decided like, the people just decided on, like, God had decided for him to be king. And so his heart at one time was good. Not only was he, he have a good heart, he was tall and handsome, 1 Samuel 9, 2. Uh, his son Saul was the most handsome in all of Israel. Whoa, you know, hey, he was head and shoulders taller than anyone else in the land. So he's tall, he's handsome, he's humble, I mean, uh, when I say humble, I mean this. 1 Samuel chapter 10. I'm reading a lot of scripture. That's because y'all are adults. Um, (laughs) 1 Samuel chapter 10, uh, 20 through 23, it says, When Samuel brought all the tribes of Israel before the Lord, and the tribe of Benjamin was chosen by Lot. Then he brought out each family in the tribe of Benjamin uh, before the Lord, and the family of uh, Matrites was chosen. I thought I knew that. And finally, Saul, son of Kish, was chosen among them. But when they looked for him, he had disappeared. So they asked the Lord, where is he? And the Lord replied, he's hiding among the baggage. So they found him, brought him out, and he stood a head and shoulders above anyone else. You know, I I look at all these passages about King Saul, and I understand why he was chosen. He had it. I mean, he had the, you know, we're going to find out later it's a little bit different than looks, but he had the look. He was handsome. He was tall. Um, you know, he, he had all the inner qualities of his heart, but along the way, something changed. It reminds me of my freshman year. My freshman year, I went to the University of Alabama, and I stayed in Patey Hall. Y'all know Patey Hall? Okay. It is, it's pretty much an all-freshman dorm. It's like five floors of, you know, freshman guys. And so um, when I came there, I was just like, what is happening? I mean, these are guys that just got away from home for the very first time. They don't have their parents on their back. And they're like in this college atmosphere at the University of Alabama. And so you can imagine over the course of a couple semesters, maybe what happened or didn't happen, all right? Um, But I I look at these guys and I kind of wonder, I wonder how many of these guys grew up in church. I wonder how many of these guys know the right things to do, but when they got put in a different environment, chose differently. 
I wonder how many of these guys started out with a good heart, but along the way allowed their heart to be corrupted. I met some friends there, um, you know, who, who helped me stay involved with church, who helped me keep me accountable. You know, I was two hours from home, you know, so there was nobody that had to keep me accountable. But it was important, young people, you just going off college especially, find people around you that can keep you accountable. Proverbs 4.23 says, Guard your heart above all else, for it will determine the course of your life. Number two, we can learn from Proverbs 4, 25 through 27. The prophet uh, is, number two is don't get sidetracked. Don't get sidetracked. The prophet Samuel told Saul to wait seven days for him to arrive to offer a sacrifice, a blessing over a battle. Now, let me set this up. The, the, the Israelites were in a battle, and... Again, the prophet Samuel came to Saul and said, hey, wait on me. I will be there. I'm coming on the seventh day. That's when you're going to offer the sacrifice. He's like, okay, no problem. Well, there was a problem. The problem was the Philistines had mustered an army of 3,000 chariots, and the Bible says that soldiers as numerous as the sand on the seashore. That's a lot. The army of Israel was pretty scared. (laughs) You can understand why. I mean, this is a huge army coming at them, and they grew impatient. They're like, they're coming after us. They're about to overtake us. It's the seventh day. Samuel's not here. And so what's Saul do? He offers the sacrifice early. 1 Samuel 13, if you, you, know, if you have that place, uh, 1 Samuel 13, 10 through 14. Just as Saul was finishing the burnt offering, Samuel arrived. What timing? Saul went out to meet him and welcome him, but Samuel said, what is this you've done? And Saul replied, I saw my men, they were scattering from me. You didn't arrive when you said you would. The Philistines were at Michmesh ready for battle. So I said, the Philistines are ready to march against Gilgal, and I haven't even asked for the Lord's help. So I felt compelled to offer this burnt offering before you came. Can you blame them? When I put myself, like, this is why I feel sorry for Saul, because, like, when I put myself in his shoes, I'm like, man, I would have done the exact same thing. If I didn't see Saul there when I thought he was supposed to be there, and this army's pressing on me, and I'm the king, I'm the very first king of Israel, he had to make a decision, right? But this is what Samuel replies. I want you to get the words of Samuel in these, these texts here. He says, how foolish. You have not kept the command that the Lord your God gave you. Had you kept it, the Lord would have established your king, kingdom over Israel forever. But now your kingdom will end. For the Lord has sought out a man after his own heart, and the Lord has already appointed him to be the leader of his people, because you have not kept the Lord's command. Now, I'm going to need a volunteer. I need one of you seniors. Come on, uh, Madra, you're closest. Come on. I brought some wrapping paper, and uh, we're going to wrap you up. No, I'm just kidding. All right, have you ever seen somebody balance wrapping paper on their hand? Like, just a couple fingers like this, okay? You think you can balance this? Okay, are you sure you can balance this? All right, so I want you to just put one hand under it and one hand uh, on it until I tell you to let go, okay? And I'm actually going to get you to walk towards me, too. Now, before you start walking towards me and balancing that, I want you to look that way. Okay, and stay looking that way. And now I don't want you, I don't want the, the, the wrapping paper to touch you at all. I want you to keep it all the way. All right, you ready? All right, start walking and let go with your hand. <laughs> What's wrong? 
It's not that hard, is it? All right, uh, go ahead and how about look that way, okay, and try it again. Look all the way that way, try this way. Come on. All right, this will be a little bit easier, all right? Hop back. Um, just look straight at your feet, hold it up, you know, probably by eye level, but just walk with it that way, all right? All right, we'll give you one more chance. This time I want you to look at the top of the, the wrapping paper while you walk to me, all right? Y'all give Majo a hand. It's important in life not to get sidetracked. You see that? When his focus was in the right place, he was able to maintain. I mean, it was easy, right? I mean, you probably could have walked all the way around this place. Oh, I hope you could at least. Uh, But, you know, I will put it like this. It was a lot easier. Here's the deal, young people. You will face tough decisions, right? Saul had a tough decision. He had to make a decision, but he lost his focus. He got sidetracked with all that was going on around him, with the armies pressing in, everybody looking to him. He had to make a decision. He ended up not filtering his decision. uh, He didn't know Jesus at the time. We do. But we have to make our decision, filter it, our focus through Jesus Christ. I'm going to say this again. Proverbs 4, 25 through 27. Look straight ahead. Fix your eyes on what lies before you. Mark out a straight path for your feet. And stay on a safe path. Don't get sidetracked. Number three, keep your feet from following evil. Keep your feet from following evil. Uh, I'm going to finish off this story with uh, King Saul in chapter 15. So if you want to turn, you know, turn there or you can look on the screen. It says this, 1 Samuel 15, starting verse 17. Samuel told King Saul, Although you may think little of yourself... Are you not the leader of the tribes of Israel? The Lord has anointed you king of Israel. And the Lord has sent you on a mission and told you, go and completely destroy the sinners, the Amalekites, until they are all dead. And why haven't you obeyed the Lord? Why did you rush for the plunder and do what was evil in the sight? Now, as we're here, I want you to know, this is what the Lord commanded of King Saul. He said, go and completely wipe them out. Don't take anything for yourselves. Wipe out these people and, and obey me. This is what Saul did. Verse 20. But I did obey the Lord. Did you? He said, I carried out the mission he gave me. I brought back King Agag. Uh, but I destroyed everyone else. And you know what? Then my troops also brought the best sheep, the best goats, cattle, and plunder to sacrifice the Lord at Gilgal. It's funny how God gave King Saul specific instructions, but Saul thought that his ideas would be better. You know, it makes sense, right, what Saul did. God told him to destroy everything, but you know, he's like, I got the king. I have, I have the, the king of the Malachites. Look, we can use him as a trophy. Like, we can make people fear us. And you know what? Why would we waste all these sheep and cattle? Why are we slaughtering all this? Like, let's use this as our sacrifice for God. Doesn't that sound good? Hey, everybody, look, look at me. I'm doing better than what God told me to do. How many times do we try to do that in our lives? When God has commanded us or led us towards a specific thing to do, and, but we kind of want to do it, but at the same time, we're like, well, what about this way? 
you know, or I will, I'll kind of do it half and half. Has God called you into ministry, to higher education, maybe to work with the poor and privileged? I love the fact that we can give and give money or sometimes give time and different things. And giving is a sacrifice. And God honors that. But what if God's called you to be boots on the ground, to actually be somewhere? Then you're being, living in disobedience. You know, because if God has called you to do that. 1 Samuel chapter 15, 22 through 23. This is the, the conclusion here. Samuel replied to this, and this is, this is going to be my biggest point, young people. So catch this. Saul replied, what is more pleasing to the Lord, your burnt offerings and your sacrifices or your obedience to his voice? Listen, obedience is better than sacrifice, and submission is better than the offering the fat of rams. Rebellion is as sinful as witchcraft, and stubbornness is as bad as worshiping idols. So because you've rejected the command of the Lord, he has rejected you as king. Joel Marbet is a missionary to Ecuador. He says this, partial obedience is complete disobedience. God's not looking for sacrifice. He honors sacrifice, but that's not what he's looking for. God is looking for obedience. To conclude, Statistics, wow. Don't know where that came from. I won't even try to say it again, but you know what I mean. Tell us, those things tell us that two-thirds to three-fourths of all teenagers who attended church for at least a year before graduation will stop attending church between the ages of 18 to 22. Two-thirds to three-fourths of kids who were in church will stop between the ages of 20. 18 to 22. That's their college years. Nobody's making you go to church. You got new priorities. You got work schedules. You got worldly pleasures. But let it never be said of Tuscaloosa First Assembly youth. And I want to declare that that statistic is broken over your lives. I pray for a passion to God to be stronger than ever before, a boldness to go in the darkness, which is many college campuses, there is a darkness there. We need to bring that light and not be overcome by it. But you know, darkness will never overcome light. It just never will. Light overcomes darkness. You have to allow your light to go out in order to be overcome. And so let your light shine. For you parents and you elders, you aren't exempt from this either. Right? I'm not just talking to the young people today. You may have made several bad decisions in your life, several bad choices, but it's never too late. It's not too late for God to use you in your calling. Let me remind you of Moses, who at 40 years old killed somebody and had to flee into the wilderness. And for 40 years, he was out there just living his life. And at the good young age of 80 years old, God called him to deliver the people of Israel out of Egypt, out of over 400 years of slavery. 80 years old. God called Moses. I believe in you guys. This church believes in you. And if you stay close to God, he will always be faithful. If the uh, worship team could come back. I'm reminded of the next king of Israel. The next king after King Saul was King David. And, you know, I, I think it's fascinating how much the Bible uh, talks about our heart. You know, it says that a good tree, you know, in, in Luke and in, in some of the other Gospels, it talks about you know, a good tree produces good fruit, a bad tree produces good fruit. 
and we are kind of like trees in the, in the fruit that we produce. We produce good fruit out of the, the righteousnesses within us or bad fruit out of the wickednesses in us. And, you know, it says that out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. So what you put into your soul, you know, who you are, what you allow your eyes to see, your ears to hear, your, 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 yourself to experience, what you put in is, is eventually is what's going to come out. Because that's, that's what your speech is going to be like. It's out of your heart. You know, when, when, when God was looking for King David after King Saul, he said, I'm looking after a man after my own heart. And when the prophet Samuel came to anoint King David, he told him, he said, man looks at the outward appearance, but God looks at the heart. So it's important, young people, above all else, guard your heart. Secondly, stay focused on God. If we allow our circumstances to get us off track, just like that gift wrap, it's going to fall. Our, our life is going to fall apart. Focus on Him, even when things are tough. And lastly, the most important thing you can do is obey God. Above all else, man, you got to be obedient to Him. This morning, if you're in this place and... Um, my prayer was just that the Holy Spirit will work on your heart. And if God's been dealing with you during this message, it's not my words. It's, you know, I try to read a lot of scripture because I want God to do the talking. If you're in this place, and uh, you guys can stand with me. Um, I want to allow the last part of this message, or the last part of this service, to spend time at the altar, if you'd like. Um, I believe in prayer. I believe in the power of prayer. I believe that God moves and changes through prayer. And, you know, if, if you're in this place and either, number one, you know that God's called you to do something and you're not living it out, we want to encourage you in that. We want to encourage you and, and pray over you for God to work in the calling that he's called you to do. Or if you're in this place and you just say, you know what, I just, I need to work on my heart. I have allowed things into my life that I know I shouldn't. You want prayer. It's here. You feel like you're getting sidetracked. It's here. You feel like you're not being obedient. We're here for you. Pastor, myself, some of these other ones want to pray for you. So as we end this time in worship, and we'll come and close in just a minute, but for the next few minutes of this service, would you come if, you know, if God's working on your heart and come join us down here at this altar? We'd love to pray for you.